Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Walter Isaacson, former managing editor of Time magazine, once noted that if you had to describe the 20th century's geopolitics in one sentence, it could be a short one. Freedom won. Minds and free, and hearts are free, and free markets. All prevailed over fascism and communism. That is testimony to the successful ending of the last war and the eventual demise of the Cold War and the Soviet Union as a global world power. That was then. Today we have other dangers and threats to our freedoms and security, since there will always be a foe to watch, a battle to wage, somewhere. Fortunately, we in the West are able to enjoy relative freedom from these dangers, at least in our countries and in our homelands. Regardless of the time and the place, however, regardless of the relative peace and security that we believe we enjoy, there is another dimension that we often fail to consider. The news media concern themselves with world events, the progress of civilization as we know it. Anywhere where there is a story to report, the media are anxious to give us the gory details. And with television beamed into our living rooms every day, We are bombarded constantly, almost as soon as the event happens, anywhere in the world. Rarely, however, do we see the beautiful and the lovely. Too often the media desiring to sell advertising focus on the horrible, the disasters, the mean, the terrible. Obviously, bad news must sell better than good news. Yet, as I've mentioned, all this deals with the here and now, the obvious, the secular, the dimension of humanity in the plane of moral existence on this planet. It ignores one key, very crucial perspective to our detriment. More in a minute. Heard the sigh of the weary, let the children 
you know I refer to the spiritual dimension. So crucial and exceedingly important, yet most often ignored by the world system, including its media and governments. We live in the world and are impacted and affected by what happens here, of course. As long as we live on earth, there is a continuing dependence on what is happening here. 
and we are right to be involved and to monitor and defend ourselves, to know what's going on, to make a life for ourselves and our families. But we must never forget that there is a very real spiritual dimension as well. Silent, most often, invisible almost entirely, yet we are affected by it nonetheless every day. There is a battle raging constantly in this spiritual dimension, a battle for your soul. Our enemy is the enemy of our soul, the devil whose domain is very real. Daily the battle rages. We must be conscious of his sphere, and as Paul exhorts us in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, we must put on the whole armor of God and defend ourselves. Earlier I quoted Mr. Isaacson, who described freedom one, free and uh, minds and free markets. In the dimension he spoke to, I guess he was right. And thank God for the victories won. But in the other realm, there is yet no freedom won. The devil tries hard to prevent the truth from being told. There is no such thing as a free mind outside of the peace that drives from God, the Creator, when a penitent heart comes to him for salvation. Then the victory is won. Markets are not free as long as the battle rages in the spiritual world. Jesus died to set us free. This is the greatest of all freedoms and will only be realized fully when Christ returns and establishes his millennial reign. Never ignore the realities of that spiritual dimension in our lives. And now with his message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How did Jesus and his apostles deal with false teachers? and those who twisted the scriptures to fit their views and thus negate the word of God. Answering this question will be the focus of today's message as we continue with our series on the signs of the times and seek to show from scripture that we are actually living in the times of the signs. In other words, we are living in the times of which the Bible warns us about and therefore need to understand them in order to know how to live effectively for Christ in these days of deception and prevalence of false teachers. I want to deal with this issue because many well-meaning Christians say that we should not confront or criticize people who handle the word of God improperly. They say it's not Christ-like or Christian because we are judging others. My reply to that is the same that Jesus gave to the Pharisees when they challenged him Regarding the teaching of the Old Testament, he said, and I quote, You err not knowing the Scriptures. And so today, we want to see how Jesus and his apostles dealt with and contended with false teachers of their day. Now, ironically and sadly, Jesus' greatest and more aggressive enemies were those who claimed to know the Word of God, the elite religious people of his day. Even John the Baptizer, Jesus' forerunner, had encounters with them. Listen now how he addresses them when they came to be baptized in Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. Quote, but when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, Bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you, 
that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. End of quote. Notice, John, as we would say today, was right in their face. He saw through the hypocrisy and called them out for it, and he pulled no punches in doing so. Now, was this a proper or Christ-like thing to do? Was this Christian? Let Jesus himself answer that question. Listen to how he himself addressed these same people in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Remember now, it is Jesus speaking, quote, You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. End of quote. Jesus is very forceful and outright here. So neither John or Jesus had a problem with dealing up front and even harshly with such people. And so, here are some basic biblical principles for dealing with those who teach false doctrine, according to the Word of God. First, we should not be afraid or hesitant to identify them by name as well as to describe their teaching or their doctrine. We should call out the false teacher by name according to the Scriptures. Paul is our example here. Listen first to his admonition to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. I quote, Make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Also in 2 Timothy 1, verse 15, You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among them are Phygelus and Hermogenes. And then finally, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18-20. through 20. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might fight the good fight, keeping faith, notice, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to faith. Among these are Hermanius and Alexander, whom I have delivered over to Satan, so they may be taught not to blaspheme. End of quote. So, Paul was certainly not hesitant or too timid to name false teachers by name, nor should we be, in spite of the fact that some, and perhaps even many, will criticize us for doing so. But the Apostle goes even further, he goes on to say that we should not only call out false teachers and manipulators of the word of God by name, but that we should also describe their teaching as well. Hear the apostle again, speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. Quote, Avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and thus they upset the faith of some. End of quote. Notice, he identifies them by name as well as describes their false teaching. And so, we are called first to know the truth well enough to see the lie when it is taught. And secondly, we are to describe the lie to others 
so that they can be warned. But the Apostle goes even further in instructing us how to deal with false teachers. He also says that we should do all we can to silence such false teachers. Hear his words now to Titus in Titus chapter 1 verses 10 through 11. Quote, For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. Notice Paul says they must be silenced. The Apostle John joins him in his admonition. Listen then to whom we call the Apostle of Love in Second John. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him share in his wicked works. End of quote. This means that we are not to have close fellowship with false teachers, nor to support them in their ministry, lest we be partake of this sin. Now, here is one more vital piece of instruction given by the Apostle Paul in relation to those who have already gained a foothold in the Christian community teaching false ideas and doctrines. Here is the answer as proposed by another Bible teacher as to how we should deal with them. Quote, How are we to respond once the error has already started to permeate the church? Paul tells his fellow followers that they are to refute the false teachings, refute the lies. They are to identify and demonstrate why the false teaching is false and then replace this false teaching with the truth. And they are to do this in an emphatic and strong manner. End of quote. Listen again to the instruction to Timothy by the Apostle concerning the selection of those who qualify for pastors or elders in Titus 1, verses 7 through 9. Quote, Since an overseer or pastor or elder is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, nor pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Notice carefully now, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. End of quote. So what Paul is saying is here that a man should not be appointed as an elder or pastor if he does not know the word of God and its teachings and also be able to refute those who oppose such teachings and teach to the contrary of sound doctrine. In light of Paul's admonition to pastors to preach the word and to study diligently in order to do so accurately, this is a primary qualification of a pastor elder and no one should be appointed to such a position if he does not know the word of God properly and is not able to refute those who oppose the word. But Paul adds to this in Titus chapter 1 verse 13. Speaking again with reference to false teachings, the apostle says, and I quote, For this cause 
Reprove them severely that they may be sound in the faith. Notice again, let me repeat that. This is the Apostle Paul. Reprove them severely that they may be sound in the faith. End of quote. So, in summary, we can conclude that believers are called first to identify false teachers by name. Secondly, we are to discern the errors of their teachings. Third, we are to strongly refute and correct teachers who teach this kind of error. And fourthly, we should avoid those who continue to follow or teach false doctrines. Now, of course, a major question that arises here is how are we to live in regards to people who either teach falsely or live according to false views? Paul provides us with specific instructions in this regard. Even though we may make a dedicated effort to identify, to call out, and refute false teachings and false teachers, many may still decide to follow lies, particularly if some worldly desire can be satisfied by accepting the lie. Now, how are we to live in regards to people then who either teach falsely or live according to false views or associate with those who do? Well, according to Paul, we are to avoid people like this. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. Listen now to him in Romans chapter 16, verses 17 to 18. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. End of quote. My friends, that is a beautiful and exact description of what is going on today. But listen also to Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul speaking, and I quote, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep aloof from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the traditions or teaching which you receive from us. And finally, Titus chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. Paul speaking again, Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and sinning, being self-condemned. So then, according to the word of God, when it comes to dealing with those who follow and or support false teachers, Paul says we are called first to avoid them, who have embraced these false teachings. And secondly, we are to warn and ultimately reject those who are false teachers. So Paul is pretty clear about how we are to treat those who are living according to false teachings or those who are preaching false doctrine. We are not to try to make peace or embrace this kind of person or teaching. God calls us to separate from people who say they are Christians but are following false teachings. That's pretty severe, but it is what God clearly calls us to do if we are to take the words of Scripture seriously. Next time, Lord willing, we will see that the reason why Jesus and the Apostle provides us with such instructions 
is because of the fact that the truth matters. The truth matters. However, due to time constraints, we will have to look at it next time. Until then, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan R. Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. There forevermore to stay. Great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and not toiling will be happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again, I am listening every moment, for the mighty trumpet sound, what a time we'll have together, when the saints shall leave the ground, and our toiling will be in a moment Jesus Christ could come again